So this week we are, uh, this is week two of a two-week series. Uh, We're taking a break from our normal sermon series, and we've been studying famous Christmas verses, and we've really landed in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. If you remember last week, we looked at the underbelly of Christmas, that uh, Christmas has a lot to do not just with festivities and joy, it has a lot to do also with uh, the fact that we are in desperate need of being saved from our sins. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm like, I need to keep preaching, but I also know I forgot to tell everyone you can leave. So it appears I decided on a decision. Go in peace. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll continue. Um, so we're look, last week we looked at the fact that God promised to send a son into the world, and that son would save us from darkness. It's not just good news because a sun comes in the world. It's good news because we were living in darkness because of our sins, and this sun comes in the world to save us because we needed saved. That's this other part of Christmas. That's the underbelly that it highlights not just the goodness and grace and humility of God. It highlights our sin and the darkness we're being rescued from. So this week, there's another part of these famous verses that is going to remind us of something that I think is going to have impact on your life and mine, even today. So we're going to jump back in, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. If you have a Bible with you, you want to turn there, Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. I'm in the New uh, International Version. Uh, you can just listen along as I read these two verses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Those are, those are just thick verses. And we could spend weeks studying those two verses. But right here in those two verses is woven into them a promise, a promise that goes all the way back to Genesis. You see, these verses, they're tapping into a promise that was woven into the history of Israel. So if you go back to Genesis, you remember that there was a man named Abraham. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, right? The twelve tribes of Israel, we often call them. At the end of Jacob's life, if you remember, he had the sons come into his presence and he gave a promise, a prophecy for every one of those sons. And there was one that really sticks out. We're going to read it out of the New International uh, Version here. uh, The New Living Translation, I'm sorry. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 10. He says this, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. There is, Jacob was nearing the end of his life. As the sons come into his presence, Judah walks in, and he speaks over Judah a promise that one day a king is coming to Israel from the line of Judah, and that king's kingdom will last forever. And it will come right out of the line of Judah. Now, years later, that promise will get narrowed 
to a person, a particular person. And that person, God is going to say to that person that this king promised to Judah will not only come from the line of Judah, it will come through his family, will sit on his throne, and his kingdom will last forever. Maybe you remember this famous person, right? This is King David, who we come to know as King David. Second Samuel chapter 7, this is the promise. The promise given in Genesis 49 moved all the way to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This to David through the prophet Nathan, verses 11 through 14. The Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. That promise promises, just like the promise to Jacob gave to Judah, the days coming when a king's coming into the world, he will be king over Israel and he will bless all people. He will judge evil and he will establish righteousness and he will sit on that throne forever. It's a promise. It's a solid promise. Then years later, the prophet Isaiah is going to pick that promise up. He's going to pick the promise up that God gives to David that, that then was also given to uh, Judah back in Genesis 29. That same promise that's being woven into the history of Israel. Isaiah is going to pick that promise up by inspiration. And this son that will come into the world, this child born, he will be the one to fulfill that same promise given to David in 2 Samuel 7, the same promise given to Judah in Genesis 49. If you remember, here it was again, just for repetition's sake, for he will reign on David's throne and over his king, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. A king is coming into this broken world and he will make all things right. He will tear down what is evil and build up what is good. That yearning in the human heart, it is coming. All will be well. So if you fast forward hundreds of years later, in a small town in the region of Galilee, suffering under Roman oppression, there's a virgin. We don't know when it happens. Maybe at night. Maybe during the day. Maybe... At the break of dawn, we're not sure, but an angel comes to this virgin and he speaks words of promise. This angel picks up the promises that Isaiah had picked up hundreds of years ago, that there will be a son of David, he will sit on the throne and it will be established in righteousness and justice and be forever and ever the same promise that he had picked up from those promises made in 2 Samuel 7, that David would have a son and he would reign on his throne forever and ever, established by God, and God would be his father and he would be his son. The same promises that were picked up from Genesis 49, verse 10. That there was a king coming into this broken world to make all things right, and he's coming to the line of Judah. All those promises woven into the history of Israel in this moment, in this place, to this virgin, in this small town, in the region of Galilee, that no one was paying attention to. This happens. Luke chapter 2, verse 30 through 33. 
the angel says to this woman, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That hope in the human heart, that promise made back in Genesis 49, fast forward to 2 Samuel 7, when that promise was picked up and given to David. Then the same promise Isaiah picks up, that same promise is now being declared to Mary. And now we know that king, that king that was promised thousands of years before, it's Jesus. Jesus is the king who comes into the world to forgive sins, to bring light, to wrap the world in salvation through Him alone. He's the King. And at Christmas, we celebrate the King has come. Like, that's the thing we celebrate on this day. The King has arrived. As C.S. Lewis says, we read this quote some weeks ago, the rightful King has landed. That is good news. But here's the twist. There are some things we still can't celebrate. There are some things we still can't celebrate. Here's what we can't celebrate. Let me put it this way. What we cannot celebrate on this morning is this. The government is now on Jesus' shoulders. The kings of the earth now call him wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We don't get to celebrate that the world is now full of peace. And we definitely don't get to celebrate that the world is now full of only His justice and righteousness. We're not celebrating that this morning. Because you and I both know the world's really broken. There's still injustice, there's still disease, there's still cancer, there's still strokes, there's still sudden death, there's still accidents, there's still broken homes, there's still domestic abuse, there's still miscarriages. There is still disaster running rampant in our world. You don't get to celebrate those promises yet. I don't get to celebrate. That's not what I woke up this morning celebrating. Now I'm celebrating just as you are. The King has come. And salvation has entered the world. But it has not come in its fullness. And so in that way, Christmas points us forward. It's not just a thing we look back and remember. It's something that points us beyond the horizon. And John, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, he catches a glimpse of what is coming. So i got some longer passages to read, but I want you to come along with them. Because if you can grab the hope, you're going to see there is much more on the horizon than what you and I see right now. Take a look, Revelation 11. Right in the middle of the book of Revelation. You know where all the wars are happening? Where all the... Where, where they're like the kings of the earth are fighting these and that, and like there's just lots of death and destruction right in the middle of that apocalyptic vision. Revelation 11. John catches a vision of what's coming. John, we'll go to the next one. Holy Spirit didn't want me to do that one. I, I just it just slips me. There we go. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah." And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, 
We give thanks to you, Lord Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your, your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. There is a day coming where all things are made right, where Christ the King, His kingdom comes in a fullness we don't yet know. What we do know is that Satan is still working. He is still moving about. So even after the Apostle Peter, who walks with Jesus, watches his crucifixion, experiences the resurrected Christ, and watches him ascend, knows he is seated at the right hand of God, he also knows this. Now, John, let's go back. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and sober mind, you enemy, the devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This Apostle Peter, who saw all of that happening, knows that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, still knows we live in a world where the devil still prowls. Revelation 11 says the day's coming where the kingdom of the Messiah will become the kingdom of this earth. It's another way of saying Isaiah 7-7, the government will be on its shoulders. That day is coming. It's not here, but it's coming. And there will no longer be a devil prowling around. And so you take Revelation 11 and you just pair that with Revelation 21. Here's where this thing's going. Revelation 21, 1-5. Then I saw John Rice. A new heaven. And a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's where it's going. Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7, uh, 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Oh, it has been fulfilled in part. A son was given. A child has been born. That child has brought salvation into the world. Light has come into darkness. Our sins are forgiven through His blood, His sacrifice, affirmed by His resurrection. Like, this is the thing we celebrate on Christmas. But Christmas also points us that there is more to come. And I think right there is where there's application for everyday life. And here's how I want to get at the application. I want to come, I want to come at it uh, um, uh, from a different direction. So I think Christmas, I think Christmas helps us see beyond the horizon. But man, that is hard in our world. So here's how I want to go, go at it. I want to, I want to quote from uh, one of my favorite authors. You've heard, him, heard me quote so many times, but I rarely repeat a quote. So this is a new one for you. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And in The Screwtape Letters, Lewis imagines a senior demon 
training a younger demon how to tempt a new Christian. So it's all backwards. So the enemy is actually God, and the father, in this context, is Satan. And so the senior demon writes to the younger demon how to tempt these, this new Christian. And within letter 28, the multiple little letters, that's the whole book is just a bunch of letters written from the senior demon to the younger demon. In letter 28, we read this. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing an agreeable work, build up in him a sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. That is why we must often wish long life to our patients. Seventy years is not a day too much for the difficult task of unraveling their souls from heaven and building up a firm attachment to the earth. That is a powerful quote from C.S. Lewis. Here's what Lewis is getting at. We humans are very tempted to keep our gaze turned downward. And we only look at what's in front of us. We get consumed with the here and now. Our worries our joys, our anticipations, they have a tendency to trend to this world and this world only. So when a cancer diagnosis comes, we immediately keep our eyes looking down and think all of the problems that are going to come here without looking at what is to come potentially in eternity and all the joy there. None of us, minus Jesus returning, are going to live past 110. I'm giving that to Miss Mert. I don't want to go like I want to go too. I don't want to go like too low on that. So I figure 110 is safe. Okay, because Miss Mert is like a machine. Like every Sunday she's here. Um, but you know, you know how the heart trends. When good things are happening, we only think about here. When bad things are happening, we often think about here. When work is chaotic, here. When that coworker that you need to leave, but you can't get them to leave and you can't fire them. Like, you only think about here. Like, I'm not talking about you, Trudy. Where are you, Trudy? I wasn't thinking about you, Trudy. I wasn't talking about you. Okay. I was saying, how many employees do we have? We don't have very many. And so, yeah, Trudy. Okay, I was just joking. The point is, the point is, the human heart, and this is what Lewis is getting at, the human heart has a tendency to get anchored in this world and our eyes keep our gaze looking down. Christmas. Christmas. I think one of the things it must do for us, because not all of it is yet fulfilled, it turns the gaze up. We look on to the horizon knowing that the, full, full, the fulfillment of Christmas isn't yet here. Let me say it this way. Here's a way maybe of summarizing this. Every year Christmas reminds us that King Jesus came to earth to bring salvation. Good with that. But Christmas also reminds us there is more to come. Here's what's to come. Right here. So we'll take the list from previous and now put it, on the, put it into the future. The day is coming when the government will be fully on his shoulders. Just so we're all clear, 
That's not coming in 2024 with the presidential election in the United States. Okay? All right. Every knee will bow. And they're going to call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The new heavens and the new earth will be full of his peace, justice, and righteousness. That day is coming. So when you get that diagnosis from the doctor, don't you ever forget that this is not the end. Because God is working all things for the good of those who love Him. When the family is pulling apart and you're trying everything to keep it together, don't you forget that there is a greater day coming. Do not lose hope. When the finances are crumbling, when you've lost your job, when you don't know what the next thing is and you're scared, you don't forget there is a day coming when all things are made right for for those who belong to Christ. Don't forget that. This holiday doesn't just keep us in the past. It gets our eyes looking over the horizon. And we as humans desperately need that. Because we are so prone to think this is all there is. And there is much more to come. So here's what I want to do. Here's the next step. How in the world do you take that, like some concrete, like there is more coming, This is not all there is. Like, how do we remember that? You can't have Christmas every day. I know some of you wish you could. You can't have Christmas every day. So what do you do? Well, for those of you who wish Christmas was all year, those of you who play that music starting at like Halloween, this next step, it's (laughs) Kara, it's for you. This is for you. Actually, I did. I thought, okay, I thought I, I'll be, I'll, some of the people, I thought, yeah, I kind of pegged some of the people are going to really love this next step. Here it is. This is for you. Those of you who hate Christmas, stop being a Grinch. Here it is. This is your next step. This is your next step. What in the world does this mean? Here it is. Put it up on the screen. I want you to leave one Christmas decoration up all year. As a reminder that there is more to come. Now, if you're one of those that likes to win, you're more advanced, and you want to really take this to the next level, Romans 8.28 next to your decoration. What I mean is, do something like this. So just maybe take a card and just put it right here and put it somewhere where you see it. So Christmas is in front of you all year. Romans 8.28, it's not up on the screen, but you may know it. Paul wrote here, he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So this year, as you walk into 2023, you keep that Christmas decoration right there and you remember, no matter how great or bad your day's going, God's working. God's working. And there's a day coming when the government's going to be on his shoulders. And all who follow Him are going to start crying out, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Take that to the bank. So find your favorite Christmas decoration. Some may keep up the tree. And just right there, as a reminder, put Romans 8.28 and remember, there's so much more to come. So much more to come. Let me pray for you. Father, thank You for this morning. Thanks for Christmas. And yet, we as a people, even as we celebrate today with the festivities, the food, the giving of gifts, the worship uh, in this room, 
we do not forget that some of those promises all the way back to Genesis 49, they have not been fulfilled. And our souls long for all things to be made right. When the one who sits on the throne will cry out, I'm making all things new. So we lean into that hope. We lean into the promise that you are working all things for the good of those who love you. Help us to keep our eyes on the horizon. Help fight the tendency to keep the world woven into the heart so that we forget what we were made for. We exalt Christ today. And we long for His coming. And we pray it in His name. And together we say, Amen.